The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show is back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. had a difficult time running the football. They had some changes along the offensive line, but they have found their identity, and a big part of it is Montgomery running the ball and play action and boots off of it with Trubisky. Ryan Nall is in the background, in the backfield now. The pass over the middle, touchdown! That's Graham on the receiving end. Chicago Bears threatening again. Inside the 25-yard line at second and seven. Trubisky. Steps up, throws for the end zone, wide open, touchdown, Jimmy Graham. A good throw there from Mitchell Trubisky gets it done. Look at the leaping ability of Jimmy Graham. A lot of highlights from today's win. The Bears defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 41-17 on the road today to move to 8-7. Highlights courtesy of CBS there. Greg Gumbel, Rich Gannon on the call. And the Bears find themselves in a position where if they win, they are in. They control their own destiny thanks to the San Francisco 49ers upset over the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. And so now the Bears patiently await their showdown with the Packers next week. Will the Packers have anything to play for? That's the question. Well, if the Packers win tonight against the Titans and if the Seahawks lose, the Seahawks are playing right now, the Seahawks are hosting the Rams. If the Seahawks lose to the Rams, and the Rams are currently on top 3 nothing as we approach the end of the first quarter there. So if the Seahawks lose to the Rams today and the Packers win tonight, the Packers will have clinched the top seed in the NFC North. NFC, uh, I'm sorry, the NFC. They have already won the NFC North, of course, and they will have clinched a bye. And so thus, they will have nothing to play for if that plays out the way it is. And thus, the Bears would have an opponent that would simply be playing to defeat their rival and keep them out of the playoffs. Now, that might be a motivating factor enough, but we'll have to see how that plays out tonight. But before we get to all that, let's hear what Matt Nagy had to say as he met the media after the game. Hey, Coach. Congrats. Thanks, Eric. You doing good? Yep. All right, man. We're, right, we're ready to go when you are. Okay. Um, well, real quick, I'll get started. I'm sure you guys have questions. So uh, I just think that uh, stating the obvious that third quarter for us, being able to come out and get 21 to, to zero uh, in the third and have 11 first downs uh, in our defense to hold them to, to no first downs and eight total yards in the third. That was obviously the, the turning point of the game uh, for, for Roquan Smith to have the, uh, the two interceptions um, for, for, you know, our offense being able to make plays when we had to and rebound back from, you know, those two possessions in the red zone, special teams, keeping that field position, uh, you know, DeAndre Carter making a tough play, being able to come back the next time, Cairo doing his thing. Again, in these type of games, just proud of our players for understanding where we sat going into today's game and what's sitting ahead of us. And, and so uh, we've talked about it all week long. Our guys responded, they listened, and they're, uh, they're coachable, and you love that as a, as a coach. First up, uh, Jason Leisure. Matt, you've had some tough days this season. Now you have this big game against Green Bay. Uh, how much better do you feel about the way things are going than you did the first time going into Lambeau? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's uh, 
with where we're at right now as a team, it's, it's, it's definitely different. Um, Green Bay is a, a hell of a football team, and, and uh, there's a reason why they're sitting right now as the number one seed. So, uh, you know, for us, we got to worry about us. We got to understand uh, what happened in that game. And then we, we, we know that we're guaranteed one more game. We Nothing else. And if we do well in that one game, then we'll have an opportunity for more. But we can't worry about that. We just, we just worry about us. I have a question for you about DeAndre Carter, too. You mentioned that uh, you appeared – to be livid about that play? What were you arguing for or communicating to the officials? Well, you know, when that goes on, um, you, you always are going to protect your guys. And when, you know, he's a, he's a warrior and he made that, that catch and, and run. And then, you know, he, it was a vicious hit and nothing against the kid that hit him. But um, when you're, when you're down there, you know, in that game, uh, you want to make sure that your guys are protected. And at, at the initial time, there wasn't a flag. And then, you know, there ended up, one coming and those referees have a hard job you know and there was one right before that that wasn't nearly as as bad in my opinion but again they called it and it was a good call by them so um in that situation I just I just want to make sure that he was okay number one and then number two that um you know that they they get the call right which they did and I, I credit them for that and, and they they did a great job the rest did a great job looking at that Matt did in, in the third quarter, you kind of start out with that RPO, get that early completion, then you go for it on that fourth down. Um, were you just feeling like the offense is in a bit of a rhythm at that point when you got to that fourth down and, and that kind of led to that decision? Yeah, we, we knew, um, you know, in that, in that position right there, it, it's, a, uh, it's a longer, uh, uh, you know, whether you're in the punt or whether you're in the go for it and, and uh, the field goal. And there's just so many things that, that go into it. And I think also it shows confidence in your players making plays at crucial times. And our guys did that. And uh, that, that's, that's important. You know, you, you have guys that, that understand that you're going to put the ball in their hands. And that was definitely a turning point in, in my opinion um, to be able to do that. And that's real. And, and it's a credit to the players. Matt, as you probably know, the uh, third quarter has not been uh, your strong suit this year. What jump started that? Uh, in the third quarter, and also as you go into week 17, what gives you the most juice about about where you guys are at right now? I would say the third quarter thing. I'll be I'll be completely honest with everybody on this call. I have no idea. We've studied it. We've looked at it. It's just it's crazy this the amount of struggle we've had in that third quarter. So I don't know. I, I don't know when I'll know. But uh, I we to play well today in the third quarter. Uh, part of it is going to be uh, yeah. I think when the season ends, you go back. You say okay, how many possessions did you get the ball to start the third quarter versus um, a, a team that gets the ball uh, to start the third, you have less possession. Uh, and then also, are you getting three and outs on defense to, to give you more possession? So, and then are you being productive on offense? And today we, we did all that. We were able to be productive on offense. We scored touchdowns and, and our defense got stops and got the ball back. So you put all that together and it, it jumpstarts you and that happens in the third quarter. And then what was your, uh, what was the next one? Yeah. As far as just going into week 17, yeah. Right now, what gives you the most use about where you guys are at? Well, you know, uh, you win three in a row. You feel good about scoring points. I mean, our, our offense uh, scoring points right now, putting up touchdowns. And we we even had a couple right in the red zone that uh, you look back and and you realize, OK, man, we could have we could have maybe maybe had even more. And and so um, but I thought for the most part, they did a good job of of uh, of scoring touchdowns. And then so. You start, you start winning. You get out of that losing streak that we had. Uh, we had a message for the last three weeks about where we're going and what we're doing together. Um, and they've, they've completely done it. This credit goes to all the, the players 
and the coaches. And they've responded and they've put us now in a situation where it could have went a lot different direction and it hasn't. Now, you know, we control things. And, um, you know, that that's, as we told you last week, we weren't going to stop or overlook this team. They're a good football team and they play hard. And I know their record, all that, but they play hard. And, uh, and now, now we got to reshift here to, to a big division opponent in Green Bay. Hey, Matt, what, what was uh, the message to Mitch at halftime? And what were your conversations? And, and then what stood out to you about what he did then in the third quarter? Next play mentality. That's it. That's literally, literally what we talked about. Forget it. Next play. Are you, are you upset or angry about it? Yeah, we all are. But you know what? We learn from it, move on. Don't even think about it. We go in, we go in at halftime. We figure out what the hell we're going to do on offense, and we're going to score points and keep this mojo going. And that's exactly what he did. So, uh, again, it's, it's, um, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of great things, and he's, he's helping us out offensively, and there's a lot of confidence right now uh, uh, collectively. Hey, Matt, the performance from A-Rob today, where does that rank uh, among the games that you've been with him? He seemed uh, dialed in, particularly getting you first downs as often as he did. Yeah, it was big. Um, you have a game like this, and he ends up making plays on crucial third downs. And, you know, again, um, for him to have 100 catches uh, here against his, his former team, um, it's just it's, – it's pretty cool. But – you get to a point where you realize a player like him that, that makes these plays and, and does this well to help our team out. Um, it, it's just the confidence keeps growing with these guys, and uh, he's, he's a big part of, a, of the success. Hey, Matt, uh, along with the success you guys have been able to have here in the third quarter a, a little bit recently, opening drive of the game, it seems like you guys have been better at that as well. Is that kind of getting – dialed in with the the first 15 that that uh, I'm sure you and Bill kind of do collectively and then I had a second question I was just wondering on the Cole Komet run are you, are you trying to catch him off balance there or, or what's the thinking behind a play I'm sure you guys would like back yeah yeah you know what so I'll start with the the, the first question um well in, in regards to Cole I'll, I'll go to, to Cole the in the game right there you know you're like oh you're in a position where you got the ball at the one yard line and that play um, really looked good all week in practice. And we all, I mean, everybody there uh, probably knew that, that that was coming and uh, we all felt it. And they, we got them to jump. They, well, we didn't get them, but they, they jumped off sides, I think. And then they ended up giving a different look credit to them. And uh, yeah, if there's, if there's a play where we all look back and, and say, darn, you know, you get the ball at the one yard line, you come across with three points. Um, you know, that one's one that, that you look back at, but our guys rebounded, you know, they, they, they came back from that. What was the first question? What was your first one? Brad? The, the uh, opening drive, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It a little more dialed in with that, the scripted calls early. What, what, what goes into that? Yeah. You know, it, it's just uh, for the number one, the, the players, right. No matter what plays are called, who's calling them, when they're called all that all season long, um, it always is going to come down to being able to execute, right? And I just think that right now our players, right, you look back to the beginning of the year, you look back to the last couple games, they're really feeling good and executing, you know, every play that is called. And so um, we always get together uh, as, a, as a staff and we talk through. I think that's kind of the, the part that I was getting to, too. Where like we just – we talk through, okay, schematically, what stuff do we like – 
uh, as coaches. And we'll get together at the end of the end of the week after we see how plays look. And, you know, we didn't do that as much on the front end of the season. And so uh, now we're doing it more. And it's, 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 I think it's, it feels, it feels right. You know, it feels good. And so, and then the players got to execute it. Hey, Matt, uh, this seemed like a continuation of Mitch's resurgence. I know you mentioned the next play mentality, but what is it about him executing plays that is different or better? What what strikes you about what he's doing uh, out there and just running this offense and making those simple plays? Well, um, you know, he's he's very comfortable schematically in what we're doing. And schematically, when you're able to run the football, um, schematically, when you start – growing off of what you've done in years past with some other adjustments, you know, whether it's some stuff from the gun run and pass. Uh, it's just, I think the time together has really, there is a combination of stuff, but the time that he's grown in this offense, the highs and lows that he's had um, the communication now that he, that he gives us, we work through that throughout the week to where we condense it and we, we get the, the game plan to where he feels really good. And then now what happens is schematically with the stuff we're doing, which is obviously different than what we've been doing, um, he feels comfortable. We feel comfortable with it. We have great weeks of practice. We keep defenses kind of on their heels. And then if they decide to shut something down, one part of the offense, then we got to be able to have a counter with something else. And I thought that that's a little bit of what we got into today because they they did a good job um, in the start of the game in the first half of shutting – shutting down some of our under center runs. And so uh, credit our coaches for making some adjustments. We got to some different things and it worked. So there is Bears head coach Matt Nagy meeting the media after their 41 to 17 road win over the Jaguars today, moving them to eight and seven. And with a win against the Packers next week at home at Soldier Field, they will find themselves in the NFC playoffs for the second time of uh, Matt Nagy's coaching career. Well, how did they get to this point? They owe a little bit of their current situation to uh, an all-pro tight end who grew up a Bears fan. We'll let you hear what he had to say coming up next. The ESPN 1000 Postgame Show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. A two-time Super Bowl champion. A two-time winner of the ESPN 1000 Fantasy Football League. And never mind. Howard Griffith and Jeff Mallard. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Postgame Show is back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. talking about Christmas gifts. I understand that the Bears players all pulled their money and bought fruit baskets for all the 49ers coaches and <laughs> players. I got a gift yesterday by what happened. The 49ers took care of business against the Cardinals and now the Bears control their own destiny. They got a win today and on the road against the Packers next week and they can punch their ticket to the postseason. When they did, Rich Gannon, as he was discussing on CBS today, the Bears get a victory 41-17 to on the road against the Jaguars today and thus control their fate. Can they make the playoffs with a win over the Green Bay Packers next week? We will find out. Uh, and also, we uh, the Bears 
did get word in the 49ers postgame from a longtime Bears fan who grew a, a guy who grew up a Bears fan, went to the what is basically becoming tight end university these days. He is probably, you know, I, for my money and for everything that he does, because he's, he's an excellent pass blocker as well, the best tight end in the game. Travis Kelsey, his receiving skills are undeniable. But George Kittle, in terms of all-around ability, is the best tight end for my money. He returned and gave the 49ers four catches for 92 yards yesterday in their win over the Cardinals. And he was excited, not just for the win, but because he helped out his boyhood team. I will say this, uh, I did grow up a Bears fan, and you know, the fact that we helped the Bears a little bit just makes me a little happier, so uh, <laughs> double Bears. But uh, thanks, guys. Thank See you, ya. George. We got Fred here for you guys. <laughs> Go, Bears! <laughs> I all the Bears. How about that, dropping an F-bomb as he walked <laughs> off the mic? Uh, you got to love that. It's just uh, It was very nice to see him and the 49ers help out the Bears because you know who didn't help out the Bears yesterday was Robbie Gold. He was doing everything yeah. he could to uh, prevent his, uh, his former team from celebrating early. But uh, yeah. they were still able to hold on and get the win, Howard. And now, now they, ho- they, ha- they have their fate in their hands. Yeah, they do. They do. They just have to go out and continue to execute. You know, I want to go back to the Nagy uh, press conference a little bit because that, yeah. one of the things that I found very interesting uh, was the fact that he was talking about, he was asked about the first 15 and, and going through that, and it, it appears that the team is, is doing much better on those, the first possessions. And when they asked about that, he says, well, you know, earlier in the season as a staff, we didn't go over the plan as much, which – also kind of leads you to, well, you're not sharing all the information. You're not talking uh, and communicating with the other coaches because he's mm. the head coach. He doesn't necessarily need feel, feel like he needed to do that. But now that he has an offensive coordinator make calling plays, they have to sit down more as a group so everyone's yep. on the same page. So I found that to be pretty interesting as, as you talk about a, a head coach that calls plays but that's something that he's learned, I think, through this. It probably took a little bit too long for him to learn it, but that's something that I think he's come to grips with. But that was a little, uh, that was a little shocking to hear that, you know, that the other the staff members didn't have more impact, input on what was being called and what, what plays would ultimately be best uh, for the offense to try to go out and execute. No, that's a good catch by you. That's illuminating because – Look, Matt Nagy's a young head coach in this league, and um, I think one of the, you know, last week you had the uh, Big Ten Network obligations, Hogriff, and I was talking with Waddle, and just the fact, though, that Nagy is so young, it mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I'm not necessarily ready to hit the eject button on his coaching staff and look, look for a new guy right away, because mm-hmm. he has had success, and granted, you know, there's been plenty of issues, but my hope is that, you know, just like anybody who's put in position in a new job that they're, you know, they've never been able to do before. There is a learning curve. And I do think Matt Nagy is a bright guy. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping that he learns from some of the mistakes that he's made here in the initial years. And I do think he's, he's going to, he's has the ability, like, you know, for a long time, Andy Reed uh, got bagged on because his, he had a lot of mismanagement with, with the clock and he was frequently, um, be stubborn himself when it came to running the ball and run, and with leads, you know, and yeah. after a, at a certain point though, you, it's undeniable that Andy Reed has had a great deal of success in this league. He wins games. 
and you put him with the right quarterback and you see he goes on to win a Super Bowl and they're in prime position to go back and do it again this year. So I do think that, you know, in this, you know, this reactionary world, we're so quick to want to, you know, move to the next person. But the truth is that unless you've got a guy who has pelts on the wall, who you know has done it, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get in your replacement. So in some ways, because it hasn't been a complete disaster, it hasn't been a Mark Trestman situation where the team is completely checked out, you know, I'm willing to, you know, kind of see how it goes and hopefully see if he can learn from some of the mistakes that, you know, you just pointed out there. Hey, you know, you're the, you're, we know you're the offensive guru, but you also need to be aware of what you need to work with your staff on and what they need to yep. be aware of what you're thinking. You know, yep. that, that it, it, it seems like that should be something someone should know, but maybe sometimes you just don't until you're in that position and you recognize, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm not doing everything I need to do as a head coach. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that happens. You mentioned as a, as a young coach, when you have that corner office, there are a lot of things that you that you have to take care of, that you have to oversee, and and sometimes some things get by you. And I, I think the one thing that, that's pretty clear that he his ego isn't so large that he's not afraid to turn things over. Now, it may have taken a little bit longer than let's say some other people may have liked. But the fact is, he still turned over the play calling duties. Now, he still gets input. He's still going to have something to say about him. But it's, it, it takes a lot for, for a head coach to turn those duties over. Um, and so he's shown the growth. And, and I've always said from the very beginning, I, you know, I, I've always liked the way he handles his post-game press conferences. And he doesn't throw people under the bus and, until he has an opportunity to, to look at the film. And, and one thing I, I think you cannot you can't overlook is that this team has always played hard for him. So, you know, those are significant things and it just speaks to, you know, why I I believe that, you know, they're going to get another year and they're going to have an opportunity to try to right the ship and figure it out. That is the voice of two time Super Bowl champion, Howard Griffith. You can follow him on Twitter at Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Meller. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Meller, M E L L E R coming up next. We're going to talk with Jeff Dickerson, who had a chance to take in the game. We'll see what he thought of uh, what unfolded in Jacksonville today. And also, uh, just so that you're aware, the Rams currently on top of the Seahawks 6-3. to So uh, that game is about eight minutes left in the second quarter. And again, a Seahawks loss is good news for the Bears because that would mean that with a Packers win and a Rams win today, the Packers will have clinched the NFC number one seed and thus won't have much to play for, which I think is good news for the Bears. So we'll continue to talk about that and bring in Jeff Dickerson next. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More postgame coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The ESPN 1000 Miller Live Postgame Show with your hosts, Howard Griffith and Jeff Mallard. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Forty-one to seventeen, the Bears put it on the Jaguars in a game in a scoreline that I believe flatters them a bit, as it wasn't nearly that convincing 
certainly in the first half, but things did get away from the Jaguars in the third quarter, and the Bears were able to put this one to bed, moving to 8-7 and seven on the season and are now in position with a win next week against the Packers, who they host at Soldier Field. With a win against them, the Bears will find themselves in the playoffs, and that is a perfect opportunity to bring in Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN 1000. J.D., as always, is brought to you by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. J.D., what were your thoughts about today's victory over the Jaguars? Well, Jeff, I think it was as we expected, right? I mean, that was a really bad Jacksonville team that put up a fight in the first half. It was too close for comfort in the first half. Uh, but obviously you saw as the game wore on, uh, you know, Mike Glennon began playing like Mike Glennon, and their defense is just atrocious, and they're leaving guys wide open. So, I mean, that's – and really now with, with the Jets, just, I mean, I cannot believe what they're doing. But for them winning two in a row, <laughs> I think it became kind of obvious because I'll take you inside sort of my – you know, our Slack channel for, for the game at ESPN. You know, I'm on there with our Jags reporter, Mike DiRocco. And at one point, early second half, he's like, guys, like, I think the Jets are going to win, and they're going to lock up Trevor Lawrence today. That's all that matters right now. So we went in, like, high alert mode, not for the game between the Bears and Jacksonville, but for Jacksonville's drafts spot for next year. So, I mean, that was that was their main focus. But that's what was going to happen. I mean, Jacksonville has has nothing to play for with no James Robinson <laughs> with Mike Glennon and the 32nd ranked defense, Jeff, this is what you're going to get. So, I, I mean, was it a perfect game? No, of course. Uh, did the quarterback make some mistakes? Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, that was a bad interception. He, we just talked to Trubisky on the zoom car. I think you guys just played it. Uh, you know, he, he saw the defender fall down and he thought it was going to be a 50, 50 ball to Robinson in the, in the, in the end zone. And it just did not come out of his hands the right way. It fluttered and it was easily picked off. He should have had another interception in the second half where he failed to read an underneath route properly, and the guy broke over the top of the ball and just dropped it. You know, there was the overshot of Cole Komet for what would have been an mm-hmm. easy touchdown. So, I mean, Trubisky did not play a perfect game, but he did enough to beat the worst defense in the NFL, and it is what it is. I mean, you know, Jeff, you bring up the interesting point, though, about the Packers. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Even if the Seahawks lose and they win, do they rest everybody? You know, I don't know. You know, to them, this game means a lot. They love clowning the Bears. They love beating <laughs> the Bears. Uh, so it, just, it just wouldn't shock me if they come to Soldier Field next week and people are like, they got nothing to play for. And in fact, they're playing a lot, and they're playing to win. And then – how would the Bears do? Well, I don't know because they've just really capitalized on, as we guys, sure. you know, guys, the bad schedule um, with the real, real. they're facing. So that's for next week. But today it was it was just enough and enough uh, to beat a real lousy team that had their their uh, their mind clearly on where they're drafting next year. Real quick, Howard, before you you uh, step in there, counterpoint, JD. It may not even matter because the Cardinals would still have to beat the Rams in order for. So the, the Bears may just find themselves in the playoffs at eight and eight anyway. They might. So it may not even matter that in that regard. So it, it'll listen. It, at least week seventeen is interesting, and and that I think we're all thankful for, right? Yes, yes we are. Sure. It beats the alternative, right, guys? I mean, we could have yes. been we could have already had a firing or two, and I know that would excite some people. But believe me, it's much healthier for your franchise to win some games and be relevant at the end. 
Roquan Smith has continued to uh, make big plays. Uh, how about his play today? Play great, Howard. He's, I mean, two interceptions in a game, first bear to do that uh, since HaHa Clinton Dix a couple of years ago. Um, I thought he got hurt uh, after the first interception. It looked, looked like he was driven into the ground. His shoulder was driven into the ground. It turned out he was okay. Matt Nagy said he was fine. He had a, Roquan had a bandage on his forehead during the Zoom call with us. But uh, other than that, he appeared to be okay. He played great. Now, defensively, Howard, I mean, early on, um, there were some of the issues that have been kind of you know exposing themselves the last couple of weeks, a lot of big run plays. By Jacksonville, Mike Glennon, who, again, I hate to just hammer Mike Glennon. Howard, <laughs> he is in slow motion back there. I mean, you see how long it takes for those. He's got a big arm. He does. But you see how long it takes for those plays to develop. It's so methodical. And then by the time a guy breaks open, you know, it's only going to be like a six-yard gain because Glennon takes so long to load it up and get it out there that by that point, the defender has recovered. Um, but, you know, defensively, you know, they fought, they fought obviously. It got, it got easier as, as the game wore on, and, and they began putting a bit of a lead on them. And then, you know, the Jacksonville offense got much more one-dimensional. And if you're one-dimensional with that quarterback, you're, you're in deep trouble. So, no, I, th- I thought defensively um, it was a little, a little harrowing for the first half. I mean, great play by the Jacksonville receiver over Kendall Vildor for the touchdown. So, I mean, you get, listen, and Howard, you know this better than anybody, and everyone talks about this. Those guys are going out there playing hard. They're not going out there to lose. But as a franchise, the people upstairs can make business decisions. And that's, I think, what happened today with James Robinson not playing, with this ridiculous, you know, quarterback. You're telling me that Mike Glenn is the best (laughs) shot win over Carter Minshew? Really? These are business decisions, just like Howard. When a player late in the year who's going in the free agency, who's on a losing team, you know, might kind of do, oh, you know, a little ole for a tackle at the goal line or, you know, maybe doesn't lower the shoulder to pick up some extra yards. Those are business decisions. And that's what Jacksonville, they have proven to be much more business savvy than the New York Jets, okay, in the last couple of weeks. And and they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, I think, to show for their efforts. No doubt about it, J.D. It is interesting, too, like, yeah, I mean, you got to see it because the game on the road and with COVID and everything. I mean, r- sometimes you wonder, Rich Gannon, Rich Gannon made a lot of great points today in regards to Mitch Trubisky's play. But also the counterpoint is he's talking about how Mike Glennon's never had a fair shake because he's never had a 16-game uninterrupted season. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Rich, there's a reason he's never got a chance to play 16 straight games in the season. A lot of that falls on Mike Glennon. Um, nevertheless, I, I digress. Um, no, that's okay. You go off, you, you go off the rails there sometimes with that. That's uh, right. I mean, and, and it's, I don't listen. I don't mean to, um, rain on the joyous victory parade, the float leaving, uh, downtown Jacksonville, hopefully forever, the float leaving. Right. But, but I, I just, for the life of me again, like, I don't understand what's happening here with Trubisky and what's being discussed publicly. Yes. He yes. is beating teams that he should beat. This was the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL. Detroit is the 31st-ranked defense in the NFL. Houston is the 30th-ranked defense in the NFL. The Vikings are the 27th-ranked defense in the NFL. Guys, I think we all see the theme here. I mean, no, you beat the Packers at full strength next week. 
you win a couple of playoff games, well, then I'm up for having a different conversation. I'm sure you guys are too, right? But we're so far from that point right now. You're swinging uh, sweet, sweet music to my ears because, uh, you know, Howard and I have had a similar conversation to start the show. It's just, you know, and, you know, you know, Adam Schefter tweets out the report that NFL executives are talking about Mitchell Trubisky, you know, forcing the Bears' hand. And, you know, look, listen, if he forced their hand, it's only because they're not playing with a full deck at this point. And that's because they just don't have the alternatives to go go away from them next year. I But to that point, what you just said. Yeah, let's not fall in love with these wins over teams they should beat. If even if even if they go out and they win one playoff game, I think the discussion changes as to okay, maybe bring Trubisky back for one year, you know, on a deal where you can get out of it if you have to after after that first year, fine. But like, let's not let's not just have uh, you know short uh, where we have no long term memory and completely forget the fact that again. Much like Mike Lennon has never completed 60 full games in the season, the reason Trubisky's in this position in the first place is because of his own play. I mean, I've actually seen people calling for a $27 million franchise tag on Mitchell Trubisky. You guys understand <laughs> salary cap is going down, right? Uh, salary right. cap is going down. You're going to have him eat up $27 million worth of cap space. I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. And you know what it does? I, I hate this. I'm not trying, again, not trying to be rude, but. It, it almost ruins the experience. Like, hey, you know what? They're winning. He's playing well. Why does everything have to be, you know, one plus one equals nine? It, it doesn't. It, it just, it, just take it for what it's worth. They're a story heading into week 17. I think they've got a pretty good shot to make the playoffs. I really do, guys. But what this means in 2021 at the quarterback spot, I would say not a whole lot. Um, so when you keep trying to attach all these, you know, these future plans and the vision, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not there. I mean, again, maybe that makes me, um, maybe I'm just missing the boat here guys, but I, I just don't really understand how, how people can just jump to those conclusions. Now, JD, I think you're right on. I, I think it, it, and it's hard because you, you, you want to say, okay, what is the plan? Right. And it's, and in my mind, I think you're looking at another year for, for this group. And, you know, whether you like it or not, I think that's where they have to go because of just where they are as a franchise. And you're not going to go out and necessarily fire your coach. Or do you need to? Right. And now I don't think they're going to do anything with the general manager, which means I don't think you'll do anything at quarterback. So it, to me, it just looks like it's going to be a, another year of trying to get better and better understand and hopefully you can add some more pieces to the offensive line so that you know they can be better offensively well i don't think you fire the head coach i really don't i mean again we talked about this last week three consecutive years of 500 or better mm-hmm. now is that going to win you a lot of awards no playoff nope. wins no in chicago is that an accomplishment yes looking at the franchise history yes i mean how about the number today First game they've scored four straight games of thirty or more points since nineteen sixty five. Right. Like, like I mean, think of, think of what's been happening here for a long time. So yeah. I'm with you. Now again, front office, not totally sure. We'll see how this all finishes up. Head coach, I would think, is relatively safe. Um, and then the quarterback is playing well, but I just think you better uh better have some other plans here going into next year. Uh but you know what? They could always change that narrative by going on an even hotter streak, winning some playoff games. Uh, wouldn't that be something? But again, we're just not to that point yet. 
No doubt about that. All right, J.D., we're going to spring any uh, last nuggets or notes before we uh, let you go? All right. It looks like they came out of this game, guys, relatively healthy. And then we'll see next week if they get Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen back. That will be important uh, if Aaron Rodgers, in fact, plays and the Packers have something to play for in Week 17. All right. Great stuff, J.D. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. All right. See you, buddy. Dickerson, as always, brought to you by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. J.D. Uh, referenced Mitch Trubisky. We'll let you hear from him next. And, of course, we've got our Harry's Razor close call of the game. All that still to come. The ESPN 1000 Postgame Show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Postgame Show is back. Bears with us on ESPN 1000 and the new ESPN Chicago app. Second and 10 against the Chicago defense that has held its own in the red zone this season. Glennon going to go for it all down the sideline. Oh, hand fighting. The ball is caught by DJ Chark for the touchdown. That is your Harry's Razors close call of the game. Created to be a little bit different, honestly priced, and made with integrity. Go see for yourself at harrys.com. DJ Chark coming up with a, just a ridiculous catch along the sidelines there. Hogriff, you have to give it to him because he really, it was a close call. He didn't have any margin for error there. He was a long the uh, end lines there, and he just got his feet down, and it was a brilliant catch. Yeah, you know, I always uh, am amazed by, you know, these catches that are made on the sidelines, just the body control that these players are, are able to have. Where Remember, they're focusing on trying to catch the ball, but at the same moment, you know, practicing, keeping those feet in bounds, really some amazing catches. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that actually did keep the game close for a little while until eventually, though, as uh, J.D. noted, the Jaguars kind of kind of fell apart, and they did, though, ultimately, I think, get themselves, their franchise, a win because with the loss, they clinched the worst record in the Man. league. The Jets get a win, and uh, they move to 2-13 and 13 on the season, and that means the Jaguars will have their opportunity to select Trevor Lawrence. We assume that uh, that will be the uh, probable no-brainer for them. In all yeah, there, there's nowhere else to go but yeah. Trevor Lawrence. It's not even close. No. Yeah, exactly. So they'll get their franchise quarterback, and where they go from there at that point, we'll be all watching and waiting to see how it turns out. Right now, the Rams and Seahawks are tied up at six apiece, as they had in. Uh, they're just uh, just before half there in Seattle. So again, if the Rams win, that is good for the Bears because a Rams win today and a Packers win tonight would clinch the bye for the Packers, the number one overall seed. And again, what the you know, then what they'll trot out against the Bears. I agree. I know what JD's saying. It's certainly a rivalry game, and you could see them wanting to, you know, end the Bears season if at all possible, but also with the fact that the Cardinals um would have to win as well. Uh, you know, a Cardinals loss would would mean the Bears are also in the playoffs. I think it could play out where the Packers find themselves in a situation where, you know, maybe they give Aaron Rodgers a half next week, but at that point, you know. They may not want to risk injury and just get their guys in healthy. So we'll see how it plays out. Again, 
Uh, still a little bit to go in uh, terms of the Rams-Seahawks game tied, tied up at six apiece right now. But Mitch Trubisky also met the media after Matt Nagy today, and uh, this is what he had to say to the media. Mitch, the, the fourth and five pass, I think it was to Allen, uh, just seemed to typify just how locked in you guys are, you are in particular, with this offense. Is, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that play and just how in the big picture it just kind of re- seems to represent the improvement that you and everyone has made uh, in this offense this year? Yeah, I think we've just put more of an emphasis on situational football, and I think it all starts with just communication in the huddle, me letting the guys know like what the down distance is. It's, it's fourth and five we got to have this one. We have to have it. So once I let everybody know that, obviously everybody knows that, but I think me saying that it gets everyone locked in. Everyone's listening to the play. We go out there, we're believing in the call. Um, and then we just go out there and execute it. They, they gave us a, a good look. They brought a little pressure. I just faded to the left and A-Rob beat the guy up on a nice slant route. And um, it, it worked out for us, but it starts with all 11 guys playing as one. Um, and, it, and it starts with communication and, and, and doing a great job getting in and out of the huddle. And Mitch, how did you, Coach Nagy said you just sort of went to next play mentality after that pick there at the end of the uh, second quarter. Is that easy to do? How do you how do you process that? Yeah, it was um, it was it was frustrating because I knew right away I I made a bad decision trying to do too much extending a play, um, probably just throw that one away or or tuck it and run upfield and get some yards. Um, so I was frustrated by. It. I frustrated myself just making a decision like that. But, yeah, Coach – I just talked to Coach Flip on the sidelines. Um, he, he got me right. I was able to lock back in, uh, make some adjustments at halftime so we can come out and have a big third quarter. But that's exactly what it was. It was next play mentality. I, was, I just settled down a little bit, not trying to force things. Um, and it just allowed us to execute and have, have a big third quarter. And Mitch was going to ask you about the third quarter for getting – kind of a, a, an up and down first half, the bad pick in the end zone. And then you guys just really um, do a great job offensively in the third quarter. What was said at halftime and then what allowed you guys to be so effective in the third? Yeah, we kind of just said, uh, let's, let's just go out and be us. We, were, we weren't finishing the way we wanted to finish. We weren't executing on all cylinders like we, like we can. So let's play 11 as one. Let's go out there, be us, and let's have some fun in the third quarter in the second half. So um, it, there wasn't really too much said. Everyone know, knew what they had to do, but we just went out and did it, and it, and it made for a fun third quarter. And a lot of it started um, up front, just the O-line creating holes for the running backs and giving me time um, to make decisions and get the ball to our playmakers. And then on top of that, our defense was lights out in the third quarter with some three and outs getting the ball back for us and giving them absolutely nothing on offense um, for the third quarter. So the defense stopping and getting us the ball back, and then we were just rolling a little bit in the third quarter. It was just everyone being locked in and, and, and playing the way we, we know we're capable of. Mitch, did you feel like overall today you guys got a continuation of the progress that you've been making offensively? Second half, yes. I thought we could have been a little bit better in, in, the, in the second quarter. Um, just with our communication, getting being faster in and out of the huddle and getting substitutions in the game uh, a little bit better. And I thought we cleaned it up the second half. So uh, I, I think it was just some self-inflicted stuff in the second quarter, but we made those adjustments at halftime. Uh, came out and was playing fast in the third and fourth quarter. So that's good teams make adjustments and they know when to self-correct and, and when to get on each other and just communicate. And we were able to make those adjustments. And I, th- I think we did make some progress, especially in, in the in the third quarter, 
um, just putting the game away and, and coming away with a win as a team. It's a lot easier to go out and be you when the uh, defenses that you're taking on are all in the, <laughs> the bottom quarter of the league, but we can't take it away from you, Mitch. So kudos to you. The Bears have scored 30 points in four straight games for the first time since 1965. So nobody can take that away from them, and nobody can take away today's W either, as they are now 8-7 and seven on the season and with the chance to control their own fate with a win against the Packers next week. They will be in the NFC playoffs. Pretty good. Pretty good. So now we just have to wait and see, see what kind of production we can get out of this team next week. Yeah, no doubt about it, Howard. I'm uh, just checking to see if we've got any uh, finality on the game time for next week. I know the NFL uh, likes to kind of keep those close to the vest because of the uh, playoff implications. I wonder if that one's going to be a 3 o'clock game or if they'll actually keep that at noon. But I'm sure we will know by tomorrow, first thing tomorrow. So uh, we will uh, keep you apprised of what the schedule will be for next week. But as for us today, that will do it again. 41-17 win for the Bears, keeping their playoff hopes alive and well and in their own hands, most importantly, setting up a huge showdown with their rival against the Packers next week at Soldier Field. We've been down that road before. Hopefully (laughs) it will be a little better than it's been in more recent times. No matter what the outcome is, Howard Griffith and I will be here breaking it down next week. Hopefully a playoff appearance and berth for the Bears. No matter what happens, though, we'll be here for you. Again, thanks for listening, Howard. Thanks, as always, to you, my man. All right. Appreciate it. Be safe. All right. You do the same. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Thanks to Sean Davis and Jeff Dickerson for uh, helping us out with the show today. We'll talk to you next week here on the Post Game Show on ESPN 1000. Thanks for listening to the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show. Presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. And brought to you by GetCoveredIllinois.gov, the home loan experts, ComEd's energy efficiency program, and Harry's Razors. Bears Talk continues at 7 a.m. with Cap and Jay Hood on the new morning show on ESPN 1000. Ah.